0: Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of Tower Junkies, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Tower Junkies t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, 2018. And if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Take a screenshot of the review and email it to Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com with the subject line Tower Junkies T-Shirt Contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free T-Shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this week's episode of Tower Junkies.
1: You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a Tower Junkie, Roland.
0: Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. I am your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is my co-host, Tiny. Hello, folks. Hi, Tiny. How's
1: it going? Terrific. I'm a little sick. Great. You sure are. You sure are. Yeah, please uh, ignore my raspy voice. Yes, would you like? Well, don't ignore me... my voice, but right. Try right. to get past it.
0: Yes, would you like me to get you some Aston?
1: <laughs> uh, dark
0: Tower. Because
1: yeah. Because Stephen King.
0: Yes. So today on the podcast is that a no? By the way, that's a no. Okay. okay. Uh, so today on the podcast we're actually going to be discussing uh, the latest uh, Stephen King adaptation that has hit Netflix. It's nineteen twenty-two based on the novella from the full dark, no stars, uh, short story collection, which I think was published in the early two thousands, the early aughts, I think. Sounds right. Um, yeah, we're super prepared here, but it stars, (laughs) uh, Thomas Jane and alum of, of Stephen King adaptations. He was in the mist and, uh, also has Molly Parker and Dylan Schmid, Uh, directed and written by Zach Hilditch, which I am not familiar with really any of his other work. He Um, hasn't done much. He really hasn't. What I can gather, these look like, I mean, unless I am just completely my head in the sand, these look like kind of um, independent releases. It doesn't look like he has any real uh, high-profile work under his belt. Right. Yeah, but... um, Yeah, so we'll get to that in a moment, but as we like to do here on Tower Junkies, uh, we'd like to kind of check in with each other and see where we're at, like in the world of Stephen King. Like what's, what's new with you, Tiny, in regards with Stephen King? Um,
1: I recently, uh, purchased different seasons. Oh nice. I purchased um the physical copy of it. I may have mentioned that in the last episode. I can't remember if you did or not. I can't remember either. I've had it for a little while. I haven't started no. it yet. Um but that's my next kind of on deck book. Um nice. but I'm currently listening to Sleeping Beauties the oh, nice. new one. So how far but, are you in it? I'm about halfway through it. Oh and, really? Uh, yeah, I'm not crazy about it. Oh wow. Not so far. Uh, I think I, it's it's reminding me a lot of another one of his books and okay. it's not in a good way.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I'm trying to pick yeah. what it what it is because I'm honestly I'm only like four hours into it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to step it up so we can review it.
1: Yeah, I've uh, been well, really dragging my feet. The first week back uh, to work from my wedding, mm-hmm. uh, I had to work in Columbus every day. Oh, okay. Which is Columbus, Indiana, is about 35, 40 miles south of Indianapolis, <laughs> and so I had to drive for an hour there and an hour back every day. Oh, okay. So I get that was like, and then I listen. I always listen to it during my lunch break. Mm-hmm. So that was like. 12 to 15 hours of nice listening to a book in the car. So that's why I'm so far ahead on it. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I will definitely step it up because I just haven't, I haven't even opened it uh, to listen to it lately. Yeah. I'm four hours and 20 minutes into it. Uh, Yeah. And it's interesting because I've, I've gotten, I mean, I'm still really early into it, but I mean, I kind of, I was kind of, kind of digging it a little bit. So I'm kind of curious how I'm going to feel about it. Okay. Um, yeah, that's cool. Anything else that you've got, Stephen King wise?
1: Um, nope, uh, but I mean, just a long-term goal is to try to um, familiarize myself with the stories that take place around um, Castle, Castle Rock, Rock for mm. the for the upcoming show. So nice. That's, that's kind of my big picture for for the moment.
0: Nice. Did you yeah. see the trailer for Castle Rock? Uh, was it like a teaser thing, sort of? You which one? They were, they have had they one with actual one? Yeah, they had one with actual oh.
1: footage. Okay, so no, I have not seen that. One.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, we'll I'll have you check it out and then we'll talk about it on another totally. episode. Um, but yeah, uh as for me, is that all is that all you got? Yes, yeah. Okay. What do you got going? Sweet. Well, let's see. So I've got again I'm 4 hours into uh Sleeping Beauties, which I'm I'm not deep enough into it to really get a fair opinion of it yet, but I think that what I'm most interested in in it is that the premise is so interesting to me. Like, it's such a cool, like, Stephen King-esque premise. Like, oh, what if all the women in the world fell asleep and didn't wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, just, that's just an interesting thought experiment. And I'm excited to see where the narrative takes us. Um, so I'm excited for that. And then also, we're recording, we are recording this on November 1st. And uh, I had pre-ordered, I think I referenced it in another episode. I had pre-ordered this, which came in the mail uh, yesterday. Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Awesome. The new paperback edition of it. Sweet. Uh yeah, which man, I just love the the look of the of the paperback, like the cover and the light and the yeah. the lighting of it, and the uh, or the composition of the cover art and the uh, fonts used for the title and everything. Um, so I'm excited for this. I am my kind of goal is to start going through the short story collections, like maybe reading a short story before bed um, each night, and starting with Night Shift. So okay, uh, Yeah, but this one is exciting because I know that they adapted this into a. Movie or series? It was movies? a mini series. I want to
1: say TNT or TVS. That sounds about right. I watched. I watched it. Did you really? Yeah. Nice. Anything stand out? It was okay. Yeah. It, it was. It was a. There was one um, story they filmed. that was an episode. I think it was like you know, like forty some minutes for the mm. episode, and there is zero dialogue in it. Oh, really? It's pretty. It was. It was. It was an interesting thing to see.
0: Nice. That's interesting. Yeah, Um, yeah, just looking through the table of contents, there are some that kind of jump out of something that I'm interested in reading, like, uh, sorry, right number, um, which I think was adapted. I don't know if that was adapted into an 85 um, uh, Twilight Zone episode or not, Mm. Um, or or, – uh, another show, I'm not sure, but uh, that and then uh, The Night Flyer, I'm kind of excited about or kind of curious about. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to go through that and check it out. And what else? Also, I did receive, uh, I pre-ordered this on Audible um, and it auto-downloaded uh, Strange Weather, the new release from Joe Hill. Um, cool. Who I have, you haven't, have you, you've read Horns, didn't you?
1: No, I saw the movie.
0: okay. Did you, have you read any of Joe Hill's stuff?
1: No, I don't think I have.
0: Interesting. See, I haven't either. And I'm always, like, I'm of the thought that I'm my brain works weird. I'm just like, maybe I should, you know, read all of Stephen King's first and then <laughs> go to Joe Hill. But, um, I have two Joe Hill audiobooks on audible. Um, so now I have strange weather, which is a collection of, I think four, uh, novellas. And I also have the fireman, uh, fireman, which I am really excited to listen to at some point, because if I, if I may just kind of i'll read the plot summary if okay. you if you'd like so sure. here's the plot summary for the fireman fireman um no one knows exactly when it began or where it originated a terrifying new plague is spreading like wildfire across the country striking cities one by one boston detroit seattle the doctors call it draco incendia uh, trichophyton to everyone else it's dragon scale a highly contagious deadly spore that marks its hosts with beautiful black and gold marks across their bodies before causing them to burst into flames millions are infected blazes appear erupt everywhere there is no antidote no one is safe jeez that just sounds like such an awesome premise for a book so i'm yeah. excited to check that out too totally yep and then uh, i also finished christine the novel, which I'll be doing a solo, uh, as far as I know, a uh, solo right. review of it for the podcast. Totally, and then we will be doing a uh, a review of the movie.
1: Yes, at some point, yes, yeah. We will.
0: And then, uh, yeah, and I think that's all I've got for Stephen King check-ins. Uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at with Stephen King, and that's where we are with Stephen King. Mm-hmm. So, 1922. Yes. Sir. Um have you first uh, get the elephant out of the room? Have you read the novella that
1: from uh, full dark, no stars? I have not. I didn't, I hadn't even heard of it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, I haven't read it either. I wanted to read it prior to seeing it and prior to recording, but I just didn't have time. It's, I think it's like 130 pages. Okay. Um, so I, so I just didn't have, I couldn't allocate the time to, to read it before recording, um, or before seeing the movie, but it's, um, out of full dark no stars, I was aware of it, and I knew what the general premise was um, and as far as the movie goes i didn 't I just knew that Thomas Jane and uh, Molly Parker were in it, and that 's pretty much all I knew uh-huh. and that it had something to do with rats um, <laughs> yeah that that was my the extent of my knowledge right um, so the way we 're going to do the review is that we 're going to talk in a non spoiler section just giving an overview of our thoughts on the movie and then we will dive into a spoiler review we will warn you well ahead of time before we go into spoilers um and mark it with uh, time stamps in the show notes and we'll also um play a clip from the trailer prior to jumping into spoilers so tiny in broad non-spoiler terms how did you feel
1: about 1922 i felt really good about it um nice. i enjoyed it thoroughly i think um the the you know the director and the cinematographer and the uh, actors and costume everyone involved achieved a really um really beautiful but also very stark um aesthetic throughout the movie mm-hmm. like i think it just had this it had this great filter to it almost um i really appreciated it it felt uh the word the, the adjective that kept popping into my head was stark Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, it's, it's the 20s and life was much more difficult and stuff like right. that. So I think they achieved that really well. It felt, it just felt really genuine in that respect. So, um, I enjoyed it. I think it had some, um, you know, there's, this was one of Stephen King's scary stories and mm-hmm. I think it was, it was, it achieved that definitely. Um, but it was also like, kind of touching, I guess is the word that I would say. And it was kind of, um, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase it, but it was, um, it it was, it was scary, but it was also kind of, kind of an amazing story. Like it was, Mm -hmm. you felt sad throughout part of it. And then like, it's, it has, it just has a a kind of, a an interesting moments of redemption, I think, or, um, Mm -hmm. comeuppance that I think are, are pretty enjoyable. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I, I liked it a lot. I think, I think it's amazing. The, um, the, the, the level of quality that we get from Netflix now, like it's yeah. just, this was like, this was like a really great, scary, horrorish kind of movie. And like, you know, I, th- I think, I feel like the stuff we get in the theaters now just sucks. And mm-hmm. I'm really glad that Netflix exists because we get awesome stuff like this. Yeah. So yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I think it was great. Nice. Very Nice um how about you well oh shit
0: um (laughs) um well oh god well anyway i got it it. yeah okay good uh (laughs) it sucks that i had to do that twice, so. Rats! Um, anyway. God damn it. Um No, well, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I did, I liked it, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I thought it was, uh, not quite a bit. I, I liked it okay. Okay. Um, I really loved Thomas Jane's performance. He was doing some really weird things with his voice and his mannerisms. He was, yeah. Um, Very much. It kind of, uh, in, hmm, in a different movie with a different tone, it would seem almost ridiculous a little bit or a yeah. little bit over the top. Right. Um, but for some, for whatever reason with this tone, this kind of, as you, to borrow your word, this stark tone that was struck with this movie, um, it kind of fit. It fit well that he's this guy who is, it's not so much that he's emotionally unhinged. It's just that he is, um, not even i wouldn't say simple minded but he's very much kind of a straightforward guy with a with a goal that he wants to achieve and he has his own uh his own ways of achieving those goals mm-hmm. um he has a stranger within him a cunning person <laughs> yeah. who is who's is, uh going to institute evil within his uh, uh to to reach his ends um, which I just realized we didn't read the plot summary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go ahead and do that now. Um, yeah. So here's a plot description for 1922 courtesy of IMDb. A simple yet proud farmer in the year 1922 conspires to murder his wife for financial gain, convincing his teenage son to participate. I feel like that's a little bit too much plot um almost In the yeah. summary
1: yeah i might next that but anyway but it's not a it's not a uh secret that he kills his wife i think
0: that's true and he does and it's it is within the first 15 minutes that that happens and that it's right. clear uh so that's fair but anyway um yeah so i mean it's kind of this uh, not simple minded but just this straightforward guy who isn't uh isn't like a uh, mastermind or anything he's just like okay i want to do this thing and what's kind of chilling about the character is that he—it's not that he has a um a struggle of consciousness or conscience conscience <laughs> uh, with that. He doesn't have this. It's not he's not saying like, okay, why uh, should I do this or should I not do this? Do I need what are the other options and everything? It's just like, yep, I'm gonna do this. It's just kind of straightforward, almost almost Cohen Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not quite as like refined as, as them. Right. But yeah. I, I just, I, I liked the way that, uh, like you said, the kind of comeuppance of, of certain characters and certain events, uh, the way certain things kind of play out, um, felt very, uh, rewarding in a very morbid and, and weird way. Right. Um, and yeah, and and the rats just really made me, unnerved yeah um also yeah the like the makeup effects and the the visual effects of of different things throughout the movie Mm -hmm. is what i'll say very very unsettling
1: like definitely
0: in a way that's not like horror movie unsettling it's like it's just it's just kind of there and it and it breathes there and it just gets under your skin Mm -hmm. and in your mouth um
1: (laughs) oh Ugh. a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um let's see. Anything else about non-spoilers? Uh, how would you feel about
1: the kid that played uh the son? I think he was a a standout really. Uh nice. Dylan Schmidt is the actor mm-hmm. who played Hank James. Right. Um I I liked him. I think he um he could have very easily gotten lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the you know, it's it's mentioned in the plot description that um the main character convinces his son to help him with mm-hmm. with this murder and in in to me i think that's the uh even even more than a husband killing his wife i think that is the most egregious part of the film mm-hmm. that a father convinces his son to help him kill most his mother most disturbing yeah yeah most disturbing part of it just the fact that he forced his i don't know about forced but convinced his son mm-hmm. to help him that's just you know it's one thing to ruin your own life but to convince your kid to do it is just mm-hmm. really terrible um, absolutely yeah so i I just appreciated the evolution of his character and and the way he, uh, way he delivered that performance. I thought he did a pretty good job.
0: Yeah, I agree. He was very much a character that was kind of forced into uh, or manipulated into actions that he shouldn't have committed, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the way he played it was just this uh, very much a, well, you're the authority figure in my life. I'm just going to follow your lead. And the way that that played out was really really great, and I love the way that that arc played out. And we'll talk more about that in spoilers, but it seemed like a very fitting way to uh, to have that arc go con- uh, concurrently with with Thomas Jane's characters. Like those those the paths of those characters went into a very satisfying satisfying areas mm-hmm. um, after the kind of heinous crime that's committed in, in the early part of the movie, right? Um, yeah, and uh, also, we got an appearance from Neil McDonough. We did. Uh, love seeing him in things. He's yeah, awesome. Totally. totally. Um, I really need to see... What, uh, is he... Am I thinking... No, I'm thinking of someone else. Ah, never mind, never mind, never mind. Um, anyway, uh, really great to see him in things. He's awesome. Yes. And, uh, yeah, should we kind of just dive right into spoilers? Or, yeah, before we do that, um, two questions for you. Okay. One... Um, how do you compare this, or how do you feel about 1922 in comparison to Gerald's Game? Which one do you prefer as an adaptation, or which one do you prefer as a Netflix original film adaptation of a Stephen King work?
1: Man, that's a tough call. Yeah. Um, I might, I might prefer this one actually. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they it's it's interesting because they're both they're both kind of horry and they have horror elements mm-hmm. to them at least um definitely scary moments mm-hmm. um but i feel like that's not the highlight of either story okay so yeah. i think i think that's you know it's like oh man that one scene was scary as hell but it's like but then you feel the disturbing nature of another or like a shocking nature of another part of the movie and that stands out more than the horror does mm-hmm. so i sure. think i think both films achieve that well but i think i think i might go with 1922 because it's i i it's not even a more unique story. You know, a man killing his wife is a classic for lack of a better word. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's just the way it's handled sort of, um, the way that the supernatural or horror element of the, of 1922 is handled Mm -hmm. versus Gerald's game. I think I, I think I just appreciate the cleverness of it, I guess. That's how I'll put it. But, I don't know. I I might feel differently having think think thought about it a little bit more. Uh but uh yeah, I think I think I'd very slightly give the edge to nineteen twenty-two.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. I think that I am gonna go the other route. Um okay. yeah, I, I definitely definitely um uh, gun to my head, I would pick Gerald game over 1922. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree that the story in 1922 is, has something to it that's, that's maybe not more interesting or more grabbing, but there's, there's a certain undertone to it that, I mean, the, the whole fact that he's manipulating this, his child into doing something hor, horrific, mm-hmm. um, gives a lot to the story, um, which is kind of, interesting because you know there's a similar thing to an extent like you can say the same about a certain subplot in gerald's game this person manipulating his child into doing something right um heinous and and
1: terrible you're making me want to change my answer i know
0: (laughs) but yeah that i just think that the story um and the, the themes of Gerald's game were played out a lot better, and I think part of that is just because it, the source material was a full novel, and, and then right. 1922 was, was a novella. Um, but I, I just think I appreciated the story and the, and the um, filmmaking of Gerald's game above 1922. Okay yeah. And then my second question, Thomas Jane' Stephen King performances was he, was he in Dreamcatcher? I don't think he was. Because mm. all I'm thinking he, is The Mist.
1: He may have been in Dreamcatcher. Yeah.
0: Well, for all intents and purposes, how do you rank this between, or how do you compare this uh, performance with his performance in The Mist as David Drayton? He was in Dreamcatcher.
1: He was, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's
0: wild. Yeah. I haven't seen Dreamcatcher since I first saw Dreamcatcher. Yeah.
1: It's, it wasn't very good.
0: Yeah. And no. I think that that was in a movie theater with you. Was it? Yeah. I think we saw a dream together with Kyle I in high re-
1: school. I do not remember. Yeah. Don't remember. Oh, well,
0: I have, hanging out with you is very memorable to me too. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Um,
0: no, so how do you, uh, so dream catcher aside, how do you feel about uh, Thomas Jane's performances in The Mist and uh,
1: 1922? I would, I would give the, again, give the edge to 1922. Um really? yeah I feel I feel like not not to take anything away from The Mist I that's a better movie mm-hmm. absolutely um but in The Mist I feel like he's playing kind of the standard Stephen King everyman a little bit mm-hmm. um he's an artist you know almost a struggling artist you could say yeah um or you know a struggling writer he uses that one a lot or mm. or a teacher you know um so I I feel like that character was a little more vanilla Mm-hmm. not his performance, but the character was whereas this character um what's his first name James mr james I can't think of his first uh name. Uh, wilfred or wilfred yeah wilfred Wilfred James um i feel like this character while his his journey or his um his his major event where he chooses to kill his wife is a little bit um it's a little bit standard i feel like What he had to the lengths he had to go to for the character were a little bit more extreme Mm -hmm. with the physicality of it and the, of course, the kind of extreme accent. Um, that was, I feel like that was a little, it's a period piece, you know. I feel like that was a little bit more work on his part and sure, um, a little bit more of a unique flair he had to apply to this performance. So I would go with a 1922 for that reason. But The Mist is a better movie Mm -hmm. overall.
0: That's fair, and I think that my, <laughs> I think that my love of the mist, uh, which I agree is, is hands down a, a better movie in general, yeah. um, I think my feelings toward that is just going to cloud my judgment of the performance, and I'll I'll say, his performance in, in the mist, if only for, just that ending, right? That ending sequence, mm-hmm. um, and he is yes, he is that kind of standard uh steven king every man struggling artist or struggling creative person mm-hmm. um but he is kind of the uh the straight man in a world that's going going crazy all around him and i think that there's uh a lot of nuance to that characterization um fair enough yeah so i think that's where i would land okay but i loved his performance in 1922 i thought he did great nice Yeah, And so we're going to talk more in depth about 1922 here in just a second. Um, We are going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, go fire up Netflix, watch it, and then come back and listen to us. Uh, We will give you a brief section with our brief uh, clip from the trailer uh, to, you know, let you turn off the podcast if you want to. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go into spoilers starting right now.
1: I believe that there's another man inside every man, a conniving man. I'm
0: going to sell. You, my
1: son, are coming with me. This is our house. In 1922,
0: I murdered my wife. Okay, so 1922. Yes, I really liked March 1922. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite? I'm kidding. Jesus. Stupid joke. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers on for 1922. Yes. Um the the depiction of the corpses, like just the makeup effects and the the visual effects of of the corpses, and then the haunting of him was mm. really unsettling. Totally. Yeah. Uh, like that first shot when he looks down into the well and sees the rats over her body, and then the rat coming—like I—that was so unsettling to see the rat, not only the rat coming out of her uh, out of her mouth. That alone is just creepy as hell. Yeah. But coming out tail first. Yeah. That um, oh man, that just amplified
1: it so much for me. And the sound. Yes. The sound. Ugh, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, very Chir- effective. Stomach churning. Oh yeah, totally. But I I think what um what really sticks out to me with with this story is the fact that the the haunt, the haunting, quote unquote, of uh Wilfred James by his dead wife is mm-hmm. really unique cuz I think I think in so many haunting movies like the Poltergeist or or whatever the haunting is associated with harm. It's not just torment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's like this ghost wants to harm you or, you know, kill you even. I, th- I think that's that's what we associate the fear with, with so many haunting stories. But this, she's not trying to kill him. She's not trying to harm him in any way. Mm-hmm. She's trying to haunt him. She's trying to literally, you know, whisper things into his ear about, how he wronged her and how his effects his choices and his actions are the only thing that are negatively affecting him right now she's not she's not um making his house crumble apart she didn't drive their son away she didn't Mm -hmm. kill anyone she she has had nothing to do with his bad luck it's all a direct result of his actions and she's just kind of posthumously throwing that in his face, right. um, which I found really interesting. Cause the, you know, there's that scene where she's um, she's haunting him. And he, he kind of like falls down the stairs into the cellar and mm-hmm. her ghost, you know, comes down the stairs with all the rats. And I'm like, Oh my God, she's about to bite his head off or just whip his throat out or something horrible. Mm-hmm. But all she does is like whisper truths into his ear. And I was like, yes, man, that is so much worse. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, 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 we get to the end and we find out it's you know eight years after he killed his wife mm-hmm. he's had to live with this horrible haunting his entire- for eight years, and you can really see the i think you can see that the toll that's taken on him, when, yeah when we see those those moments in nineteen thirty um I mm-hmm. thought that was just he's he's kind of he he's kind of just living with his actions it's, yeah. it's almost not supernatural or or mm-hmm. not uh ghost paranormal it's just a physical manifestation of his right. guilt he could just as easily be hallucinating those yeah. things you know and so i think it's that's what i thought was so cool is that it's mm-hmm. i was shocked by his torture and by his torment as opposed to you know how creepy the ghost is or whatever right. you know that's that's what I really appreciated about the story. I think that's what makes it unique, mm-hmm. and uh, and really made it stand out to me.
0: Yeah, totally. And uh, also, you can tell how much emotional turmoil he's gone through over the span of time because uh, when he's writing the letter, he has a beard.
1: Yeah, he does have a beard. Um,
0: but no, uh, in all seriousness, that yeah, that's I agree with what you said and everything. Nice. Um, I don't know if I missed something. How did he lose his hand?
1: Uh, he got bit by a rat. That's right. Yeah, and it got infected.
0: Okay. Was there? Because I feel like I I don't know what the deal. Like I looked and I I didn't want to rewind it because I I think I remember seeing like a severed finger. Um.
1: Uh, I I don't remember a severed finger.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because that that's just the image that's burned into my mind, and then I kind of looked away a little bit. Okay. Um. But the 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 killing of her, I thought was very startling and and graphic and very well
1: (laughs) well executed yeah um and it didn't have like a ton of fluff like there wasn't a bunch of like close-ups of her wide eyes when she's being Mm -hmm. stabbed and there wasn't like you know gratuitous noise it was all very gritty and like realistic and like it's almost like we are like outside observer like we were like it's almost like we were standing in the room just observing from a corner. Yes. That's how it felt as opposed to like being in there in the action. Yeah. And it's amazing how it's almost like you're it's almost like the director was excluding the audience from the event, mm-hmm. but it's almost like watching it happen is worse. Yes. I guess that's just kind of how I felt. I was, you know, because typically you'd want a director who's like, "Oh, I want to be right up in the action and I mm-hmm. want to have like close-ups and I want to make the audience feel like they're there and they're participating in it." Or Yeah. But that's not how it was. It was strictly observation and it was arguably worse because totally. you felt helpless to do anything about it and it was just so brutal and Yes. It's like they didn't and it, what made it worse is they didn't really know what they were doing. That that's what I was going to so say. so It was like sloppy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you want if you're going to kill somebody, you want to get it over with quick and get this done. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't take pleasure in the Mm -hmm. pleasure in this. They're not crazy psychopathic serial killers. Yeah. They just want her gone. And they're they're not not,
0: practiced at it either. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So because it was sloppy, that just made Mm. it so much more brutal.
0: Again, it kind of felt like a Coen brothers esque kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, which I don't know if that was the intention to kind of, or that was one of the inspirations for really the whole movie, but it kind of had a very, Cohen brothers kind of feel to it absolutely um now as far as henry slash hank and uh his love interest shannon um i thought that was a really interesting element and having him knock her up and then run off with her and then them get killed or like she yeah. gets killed like that's so so tragic and then not only that but him killing himself and then um wilfred having to see the body like seeing the body like that one of the things that the movie didn't shy away from was the uh i wouldn't say gratuitous but the grotesque nature of you know decomposing bodies and and dead bodies right um that was that was kind of the movie's highest point for me is that they definitely went the extra mile to show like yeah, when he sees when he sees his son's body, he sees an eye missing and and stitched up face, um, very grotesque and very, uh, um, uh, very much just uh, hitting home for him. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, yeah. what did that you was, think of that subplot?
1: Yeah, I, I felt sorry. I felt sorry for for uh, Wilfred James. You know, I felt mm-hmm. I shouldn't. Right, nice. it's, it's it's all like I said, it's all a direct result of his actions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he, he actually says in the there's a line in the movie where he says, you know. No I think he says something along the lines of no father should have to kiss the corpse of his son. Yeah. Or something or say goodbye um, to his son or something like that.
0: I something like uh giving uh kissing his son for the last time. There you go. Yeah. Something like that.
1: But but yeah, like that I really felt that. You know, that's I agree with that. You the father should not have to go through that. Yeah. Regardless of what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um so that totally that totally struck a struck a chord with me. Mm-hmm. Um I also really I really loved the the back and forth between Thomas Jane and Molly Parker mm-hmm. um I thought it's odd to say it, but they had great chemistry mm-hmm. because they're two characters who don't like each other anymore right and they're not they 're not in love they 're in a completely loveless marriage mm-hmm. but that that can be hard to achieve you know i yeah. really i really bought i really bought into their disdain for one another mm-hmm. and and I realized how they can they both felt trapped. You know, I, I completely bought that premise, and I think they they both sold that really well through their their bickering and their conflict. I think that that was well done. That can be hard to achieve, um, so kudos to both of those actors.
0: I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, they they were great. Um, and one thing about about Molly Parker's character um, that kind of I I don't know maybe I maybe I missed something, but. It kind of seemed like kind of a stretch for them to go from their, you know, marital issues and then uh, he manipulates them into uh, – or manipulates her into thinking that that he wants to live in the city or, or what have you. Um, and then they get the scene where she's drunk and then she's speaking very uh, crassly about about shannon and toward toward Henry, it just seemed kind of out of character. It didn't seem like yeah. there was any build up toward like oh, she's talking about how you know he should just dry hump his girlfriend so that he doesn't knock her up. And I'm like, yeah, where did this come from?
1: It's kind of plain plain talk for a, a, a mother and son, yeah, 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 or a very uh abrupt speech. I don't know how to sure pronounce or describe it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, it was I just, agree. That was hard to hear.
0: Yeah, it was hard to hear, and it just it just seemed like it didn't. It seemed like the movie didn't lay the groundwork that she was that she would be that belligerent and and uh, crass.
1: Yeah, she was. She wasn't super sympathetic. Right. I mean, I think obviously mur- murder is wrong, and no one can you know refute that. But right. I but think she
0: kind of deserved. She it. had it coming. I mean,
1: <laughs> but no, I I can sort of. I can follow the logic of mm-hmm. why Wilfred James did what he did. I'm not saying I agree with it or it's right, right, but I can understand that he felt like he was trapped and this was the only way out of that trap. Mm-hmm. And sure. it didn't work out well for him. But uh, Yeah, not so much. That's what made it a cool story, though.
0: Yeah, I agree. And going back to what you said about the, uh, the ghost haunting him, essentially, one of the things I really loved about the movie and about the – the way the story was, was doled out to us is that um, I believe Wilfred says something to the effect of she wasn't uh, uh, she was, she was telling me things that I needed to hear or she was telling me truths. Mm -hmm. And so you just see her ghost or her corpse whispering to him. And then you get flashes of the story of Henry and Shannon going and basically getting their entire arc played out in, in, not flashbacks, but flashes of, mm-hmm. of the corpse telling him like basically saying like, Hey, yeah, you killed our son. Cause you drew, drove him toward this life and everything. Um, I just thought that that was a really interesting narrative choice for the movie. And I thought that, that worked really well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was, you know, I feel like the movie was building to that moment. And like I said, I was expecting her to bite his head off or you right. know physically harm him, but that's not what she had in mind. And, and it's it's a testament to how effective that was because at the end of it he asks her to kill him Mm -hmm. she's like he's just like kill me just kill me yeah she doesn't because that's the that would be the easy thing to do and Mm -hmm. and i thought that was you know again it's that's i think that's more satisfying as an audience member to, to witness that torment as opposed mm-hmm. to seeing someone just get physically harmed or killed by a ghost. You know?
0: Absolutely. And yeah. that really tied in really well with the last scene of the movie. I thought Absolutely, that was yeah. a great way to end it. Great. Um, yeah. With the increase of the rats, like more and more rats. And then you see the three corpses and then uh, Henry takes the, takes the knife and he's, I think he says something to the effect of don't worry, it'll be quick. Yeah. Uh, which is a callback to what he said about, Killing her with the knife as right. opposed to the pillow, um, just a really great button for the for the movie to end on and, and a really great way to wrap up the story absolutely um, and having said that, do you have any other thoughts on the movie or should we wrap up this review
1: um i i, I appreciated the um just real quickly the kind of the the mm-hmm. post murder thing um, I think he kind of there's a line where he talks about how murder is work. Mm. And it is, you know, they show him, I guess, scrub up the blood and you got to get rid of the sheets and you got to get rid of the body. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's, it sounds weird, but it's, um, oddly satisfying to see that reality, I guess, Mm -hmm. because it is like, if you think, you know, think about what it takes to murder someone, but then after it, you have to like, you rarely with a story like this. Or, you know, a, a, a enthralling murder story. You don't hear someone like, oh, I just pulled out a gun and shot him and ran away, and that was it. You know, it's like right. I stabbed them or I strangled them or I drowned them. Mm-hmm. And then you have to sit there and stew in it because you have to get rid of the body for hours. Yeah. God knows how long, days even. And you see that in this this movie. They have to lure the cow over the, mm-hmm. over the well so the cow will fall and die to cover up her body. Mm-hmm. It's just really fascinating. Like it's just fascinating to see that play out. I feel like stories and movies kind of skip over some of that minutia. Yeah,
0: kind of gloss over it or glamorize it even. Glamorize it, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. And that that was definitely well done, right? Yeah. Also, the cow thing that that uh, was really cool. The way that they did it, like, yeah. uh, I was sitting there watching. I was like, "What the fuck are they doing?" Then I I was like, "Oh, that's actually really clever." Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yes, I think that'll do it for this review of 1922 absolutely um yeah uh, again we both enjoyed it i think tiny i think you enjoyed it a little more than i did which is fine Mm -hmm. um but i didn't dislike it i just uh yeah i thought it was cool uh will you be uh would this bump the novella up in your list of things to read
1: i think so yeah i've i think i have No, I don't have full dark no stars. I thought I Mm. did. Um, but yeah, it makes me want to, it makes me want to get it and read it, definitely. Nice. Nice.
0: Um, well, today's your lucky. I'm kidding. I don't, I have a copy of it, but yeah, (laughs) it's it's mine. Um, damn. Yeah, you can borrow it though. For now. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, (laughs) all right. Well, uh, you know, we have a ton of stuff. Um, like this is, this is kind of awesome because we started this podcast fairly recently. Uh, even though we've had already a little bit of a hiatus from, from releasing episodes, we've been a little inconsistent. Um, but you know, people are getting married and stuff. So right. Yeah. Congratulations, tiny. Thank you. Um, so yeah. So one thing that I was really excited about was that you had messaged me and was like, uh, I finished the dead zone. What should I read next? And yeah. I'm like, well, you can read this, this, this. And then I was like – like in thinking of that, I was like, we have an embarrassing amount of stuff that we can cover that's that's current and that's – it's just – it's so exciting to have a platform for that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so – we will be having an episode that's actually talking about the Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to be coming shortly with our friend Tony. It's just going to be a one-on-one review of The Gunslinger. And then eventually we will start our read-through of the Dark Tower series with Fekus, um Probably in a month or so. Uh, he is about to go on vacation and he is uh, – yeah, I'll keep tabs on him i guess that'll do it for this episode of tower junkies yep. uh stay tuned for the um pre-recorded outro and uh coming up next we're gonna later episodes we're gonna talk about the gunslinger and also the dead zone yep having said all that uh long pl- long days and pleasant nights
1: and you have twice the number yeah.
0: thank you for listening to tower junkies a dark tower podcast presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find more of our episodes at towerjunkiespod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at patreon.com slash viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com or by tweeting us at Tower Junkies Pod or at Obsessive and at Obsessive Tiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com Tower Junkies For more podcast content from ObsessiveViewer.com, Check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.